0: Welcome to Enlivening Musings. Today we have a special guest, Miss Kimberly Gallagher, and she is an herbalist who has been working with healing plants for over 20 years, She's the co-founder with her husband, John Gallagher, of Learning Herbs, one of the most respected online herbal education websites. She's the creator of the Wildcraft board game, which I love, which has sold more than 100,000 copies worldwide, and author of the Herb Fairies children's books. Kimberly and John have two grown-up children and are in their third decade of marriage. woo Mm -hmm. For many years, Kimberly has been actively exploring healthy sexuality, which involves the power of sexuality for healing and erotic energy as source energy for creative, vital living. Kimberly is an ordained minister at her Trail of Beauty ministry, where sacred sensuality is at the heart of her work and she fits in in our mix so nicely, so I'm so excited to have her. So here we are, I'm Crystal. I'm Katie. And we are going to introduce you to Miss Kimberly Gallagher who recently came out with a new book called Aphrodisiac. So welcome, Kimberly.
1: Thank you so much. I am really excited to be here with you two ladies today and uh, just explore where this topic goes.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's what we're all about. It's just kind of musing around. So we'll (laughs) see. We'll see where everything all, I mean, there's so many (laughs) pathways. I feel like everything could go. Um, But right off the bat, I just want to talk about the book itself. When Kimberly first launched this, which was just not very long ago, she had a book club right away. And I only have the e-version. So I want to know about the actual book. Does it have a suede cover? Because people were talking about the book itself feeling sensual in their hands. So can you tell me a little bit about that?
1: I can, yeah. When I had the idea of creating a book on herbal aphrodisiacs, I had this vision that the book itself would be an aphrodisiac, (laughs) that it would be a sensual experience for the readers. And so, you know, I did whole photo shoots that included beautiful photography of people and plants, and I put poetry in, and um, the folks at Hay House, um, who I published through, we're really behind that vision and you know the layout person did a lot of really beautiful touches to the recipes to make everything just gorgeous and then when I actually got the book in my hands yeah it has this amazing cover it's it's not suede but it has what's called a luxury matte or soft touch lamination finish mm-hmm. so it does have this beautiful soft feel to it and I'll show you the the book. I mean it's just I'm am so amazed about how beautiful it came out. <laughs> so
0: that's amazing. Yeah. Well, I love the book so much. I'm going to get a copy of it. I just have not done that <laughs> before this call to actually talk about it myself. So I had to ask because it's one of those things where I was so grateful to receive it and be able to read it and be with it. And it did that. You totally conveyed that you made it a central experience just reading it. And I just, I mean, that's what made me reach out because it was just the it and I'm like,
1: yes. (laughs) Um, Yeah. I think it's definitely one of those books that is worthwhile getting in hard copy form, you know, there's Mm -hmm. an audio version and there's the Kindle version, but yeah, I think it's, It's just so luxuriously gorgeous.
0: Well, and now I'm resourcing it all the time, which Kindle's great because I can search for the word and be like, okay, maca smoothie, you know, and see what shows up. (laughs) And yet I feel like just scrolling through the pages and finding the recipe is going to be more satisfying for me personally, so...
1: Yeah. Yeah. And they put an amazing index at the back of it, you know, like I was thinking, gosh, this is such a, you know, all herbal books should have a beautiful index that tells you where, you know, each herb comes in the book. And it's like, oh, man, I don't want to have to create that. And then one day it just showed up. and I was so excited, you know, all these beautiful touches that happen when you work with a big publishing company. They just like, here's your index. I'm like, fantastic. That's oh, amazing. Yeah,
2: that's so great. Yeah, there's certain books that you just need to have like yeah. the hardcover. Yeah, I definitely feel like this is one of them. Yeah, even though sometimes it's easier for me to sit and read on my Kindle or phone when I'm rocking babies to right. bed. Um, yeah, there's and sometimes I've read books um, on my phone, and then I will buy it just because I need to have I uh, just want to have it. And that's what There's I'm saying. There's something about us having it. Yeah, Yeah,
0: that's what I mean. This is one of those where I'm grateful I have the Kindle version and it helped me be able to just read it at strange times. <laughs> and yet I, I definitely need to have that one in my hands too. All right. So, you know, when we think about aphrodisiacs, I feel like people always think about, you know, exotic herbs and things that are out there. And I just feel the whole perception is, uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's just like very specific. It's like one, it falls into the herbalism concept of this for that. And it has Mm -hmm. that, it's going to be something really big and out there. And I feel like your Mm -hmm. book just showed the world that neither of those things are true. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> that was one of the fun things about creating the book is really um as I was researching it talking to people and you know what do they think aphrodisiacs are and there's like this myth that they're going to be this love potion that would you know get this person that you're crushing on to have sex with you you know yeah <laughs> and uh, and you have to have the the deer antler fluff from the deer in (laughs) new zealand or this really exotic mushroom you know and that's going to be this magic potion and um what i found in doing the research is that the herbs are so much more powerful when we use them for our own bodies and our own sexual health and empowerment and that you know a lot of the herbs that grow right around us um have amazing um, powers that can nourish us in our sexuality and our and our sensual health. And one of the ways that I researched this book was that I gathered a group of people together, and we experimented with one herb each month over the course of a year. And then we would get together on these Zoom calls and talk about how that herb impacted our bodies and our lives during the month, especially around sensuality and sexuality. And so. Um, During the months that we were experimenting with herbs that grew around us, the energy of that group was so much higher. Like we would go out and pick, you know, wild rose petals and then make rose honey and make rose syrup and, you know, sprinkle them on our beds and on our cakes. And (laughs) it was just like, you know, when you can interact with the actual living growing plant, that's a whole piece of the medicine. and all of the plants have so much to offer. So, you know, I think with aphrodisiacs, it is kind of fun to experiment with plants that grow a long way away. You know, like um, Damiana doesn't grow anywhere near me and Maca is high in the, you know, mountains of Peru. But but um, there's also these dooryard herbs like um, roses and oats and hawthorn that are super powerful for, our hearts and our reproductive system. So that was a beautiful part of the study. And you know, one of the things I love to do most as an herbalist is connect people really deeply with the plants as allies. And when you can grow the plants and touch the plants, that relationship can really deepen a lot more
0: absolutely we've kind of talked about that on some other mm-hmm. things just like how they are allies and we've talked about having that be <laughs> a whole episode because I think that people <sighs> hear that and they don't quite understand it so to be able to elaborate that on a longer thing and it also reminds mm-hmm. me Katie of the other day when you were talking on another show about when you went out in your own yard oh yeah and just that experience and how, like, that was a sensual experience. And it wasn't for any aphrodisiac herbs, but it was for your steaming practice. Yeah,
2: yeah. Well, first of all, you explaining that, Kimberly, was, I was like, oh, my gosh, wow. That was sounds like such an amazing experience. Like, I that's just so incredible. Like, <laughs> I just can't even <laughs> get over that how beautiful that experience must have been for everybody and just so powerful. I just absolutely love that. Um, But, yeah, what my experience was is I just – I had the idea when I was going for a walk um, by my parents' lake place, but then I went home and I just grabbed a few herbs growing around in my yard and made a vaginal steam session for myself. And it was so, like – it just felt so, like, primal. Like, I can't even think of the word. It was just so – incredible so mm-hmm. yeah everything you're saying it's just like yes there's something to that and every teacher yeah. I've heard from is like you know if it grows near you it's for a reason and that's just totally changed my relationship with herbs and the quote-unquote weeds that go around <laughs> and made me think of them differently like well they they're growing bountifully because we're supposed to have them and then when I saw yes. My neighbors spray the backyard and kill all the red clover. Like my heart hurt. I was so sad. I was like, "Why, why would you do that?" There's like all this mm. wild red clover that I would just go harvest, and now it's yeah. no longer.
0: Uh, and I, I still not. have some that you gave me.
2: <laughs> mm-hmm. I know it's kind of heartbreaking <laughs> to see that. So it's it's just it's interesting how it changes your relationships, and it's oh yeah, it's just been so. such a beautiful experience for me. Well that's That's really
1: the heart of our work at learning herbs too is to connect people to the plants you know because we've lost a lot of that connection over time but it's it's in our dna you know we were hunters and gatherers for a lot longer than we've been in this this kind of culture that we're in right now where we're more disconnected from the earth so when we go out and harvest the plants there's i think of it like this kind of rightness in my body Mm -hmm. you know when i'm Mm -hmm. picking nettles and then bringing them home and and cooking the spanakopita for the family like it's like yes this is what i'm supposed to be doing in the spring you know it it feels really right in in my body and it, Mm -hmm. it does add a whole dimension to your herbal practice and i think um in the realm of aphrodisiacs like i think that's one of the ways that herbs can support us in having a flow of sensual and erotic energy in our lives is just um, they stimulate our senses when we get out and work with them you know if you're harvesting rose petals like it's this full-on sensual experience they're so soft to touch and the smell is just glorious and Um, You know, it's it's an amazing way to just have your senses heightened to be present while you're working with the herbs.
0: Roses are something I've wanted to bring into my yard (laughs) for years. And we have this one neighbor who had these two, maybe three rose bushes and they were moving and they cut them all (gasps) down. And I'm like, (laughs) 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 <laughs> 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 before as you know they're preparing their house so it's really intense and i actually wanted to look around in our region and see if i could do hawthorne because that is one that i use a lot and when i'm looking for that one online i can never find just the flowers it's always the flowers mm. with the leaves do you have mm. any <laughs> any inspiration for that <laughs>
1: Like where you can find hawthorn? Yeah, with um,
0: just the flowers, because you know I've been to Mountain Rose, and um, I don't know. I looked at a couple other places, and I couldn't find just flowers.
1: I wonder if anyone on Etsy would would have just the flowers. Um, that's often a place where I'll go if I'm looking for something really specialized. Yes, like that. yes. Um, hawthorn grows so abundantly around me.
0: That I just, Maybe I just I pay, just pay you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> i just go out and harvest so yeah like, that's yeah. cool
0: i'm gonna have to it's look That one i've
1: had to search for
0: awesome well just back to that that concept of you know these aphrodisiacs in the book a lot of them i mean it, depending on where somebody's at on their journey somebody might know all of the herbs that are in it i actually only didn't know one of them and so now i don't know if i'm even pronouncing it right but it was um Luthro?
1: Mm-hmm. Is that how you say it? Eleuthero. Yeah, a
0: Okay. So that was the one that was new to me, and I'm excited to play with it. I haven't much because I decided to use a lot of the ones that I already was familiar with and just kind of incorporate them in different ways. But I love how you talked about, I mean, even though you have these recipes that will blend, some of the recipes have multiple herbs in them, and then some are very, very simple and will only have one herb or, you know, an herb and honey or something, you know, something. Mm -hmm. Um, I loved that you mentioned that, you know, spending time with one herb and being, you know, possibly being more singular with it as you're getting started. So you really do see which, which of these is impacting me, which of these is bringing more of that aliveness or turning me on, or how is it impacting my health? What exactly is it doing? So I just kind of wanted to give you some kudos on how (laughs) I loved how it was laid out to, you know, try singularity, even though you could also try some of these recipes that have multiple herbs. And um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, Yeah,
1: I think that there's a there's kind of a scattershot approach to herbal products these days, you know, it's like, oh, all of these things help with sleep. So we'll just put all of them into a combination and something in there (laughs) will help you sleep, you know, (laughs) and if you're using a combo like that, you don't actually know which herb is helping you to sleep, you know, and maybe they're combating each other a little bit in your system. So you know, actually trying milky oat tincture for a while and seeing how that soothes your nervous system and seeing does that help me sleep? You know, you might only need that, and then you've got a direct relationship with with milky oats. You know, versus you know if you've got milky oats and tulsi and valerian and skullcap all together, you're like, mm, well, I don't know which one of these things is really working in my body and. I think getting connected with a particular herb and how it affects your body is really powerful. That was one of the um, practices that I did during my herbal apprenticeship at Ravencroft Garden. They would have us focus on one herb a month, and we would, you know, just drink an infusion of oat straw for that whole month. You know, and then you get a sense of, oh, this is what oat straw does in my body. You know. And, uh, you know, a month of drinking nettle infusion and it was like, whoa, I'm so jittery. And, you know, it's like, I need, if I'm going to use nettle, I need some oat straw to like bring me back (laughs) down a few notches, you know? So you start to get that in your own body. Um, and, you know, the plants have a lot of, um, healing qualities that, that work across different bodies, but, it's also a relationship and it's like how that herb is gonna affect you might be different from how that affects somebody else. So even within the aphrodisiac circle, we had you know, different experiences with each of those herbs, you know, different ones were favorites for different people based on their bodies and what was happening in their lives in that moment. You know? So it's really great to, um, simple is called you know, just using one herb at a time. And, and getting a sense of that herb and then, you know, maybe bringing it in combination because herbs can work really well together in combination. Um, but it's all a big learning process and, and that's, a, that's a beautiful way to start for yourself and really develop the relationships.
2: Yeah, I love that. I love that approach. It's so beautiful and I think it just, it ties into so much like the feminine of just slowing down and being patient. Um, which is so important. I mean, for me, es- especially just to like learn that because for so much of my life, going through years of college and PT school, you know, it was just all about like hard work and memorize everything and all this stuff. And so, and then like getting it done within a certain time frame. So, like switching into this sort of work and learning more about it, and really it's like play for me. Um, I get, it reminds me just to like, it's okay to go slow and and take your time. Um, Yeah, so I just, I love all of that. (laughs) You said all that whole approach. It's so true and so beautiful of the way nature works. Just time, yeah.
1: Yeah, the first chapter of my book is called Slowing Down mm-hmm. to Enjoy the Erotic Energy of Life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah, it's a yeah. good theme. When I was um, connecting with Kimberly just to, like, set this up, I was saying how much I loved that that was the introduction. Mm-hmm. Because, as you know, in the stuff that I do, I'll always say move only as fast as the slowest part of you and that's different and it's different for everybody it's different for every day Mm -hmm. and it is it's just that slowness that brings you into your senses and into the moment and really allows (laughs) all of this to show itself and to be experienced and I love it yeah um
1: yeah I talk a lot in the book about creating a flow of sensual erotic energy in your life and a big part of that is just slowing down because any um any activity that we're engaged in can really have a sensual component to it if we are slow and we are in our senses and we're experiencing it you know like just Doing the dishes can be amazingly sensual. You know, you've got hot water and soap bubbles. And, yes. you know, it's, it can be really beautiful. And whatever, you know, if you have a window and you can see outside and enjoy the plants or the sunshine coming in, you know, it's, it's amazing. Like when you actually drop into your body and be present in the moment, how much sensuality is in every, every moment of our lives.
0: Yes, Mm -hmm. every moment sensual. So true. Every moment sacred. Mm -hmm. I I hope all the listeners are writing all these things down and embodying them (laughs) and taking them home for (laughs) themselves because it's huge. They they seem so simple, but they're so huge. Um, Just like you might look and be like, oh rose and cacao okay these are kind of simple herbs or oats and it's like oh but they're so powerful and when you're working with them it's magic Mm -hmm. (laughs) um (laughs) so in the book of course you talk about the difference between the medicinal herbs and something that's more like a tonic herb that you use more daily do you want to tell everybody about that just a little bit more especially if you're using it in the purpose of an aphrodisiac like what what does what or to you (laughs) to you?
1: Yeah, so uh, when I was um, studying herbs, the way that I learned to break it down is that there's um, nourishing level herbs, and then there's tonic level herbs, and then there's medicinal level herbs. And I think, you know, different herbalists have different ways of categorizing herbs, and that it's not You know perfect categories it's like the herbs some herbalists will will categorize herbs as tonics whereas others would put them in medicinal so these aren't like hard and fast um, categories but they're a great way to just kind of think about the different ways that herbs can work and how we might interact with them so the nourishing level herbs are herbs like the oat straw that I drink, you know, in a quart infusion every single day, right? This is just an herb that has an amazing amount of vitamins and minerals. Um, it's like a food, you know, so uh, very hard to overdose on, you know, it's, it's similar to broccoli or any other healthy food, you know, you can kind of eat it in large quantities and not worry about overdosing the idea of overdosing on broccoli just kind of makes me <laughs> giggle, you know? I like, well, I probably could, but that would be hard, you know? Um, and, and then there's the tonic-level herbs, which I, you know, in the book, I just talk about kind of a medium dose for a certain period of time, you know? So they're somewhere between the medicinal level and these nourishing herbs so an herb i think of hawthorn as more of a tonic level herb it's an herb that you know we can use to help tone and protect our hearts and we might you know have a period of time where we're really needing that we're needing some extra heart um care and so for a month we'll do you know. little bit of Hawthorn cordial every night, or we'll put the Hawthorn berries into our soup stock so that we're getting that in a, into our bodies on a regular basis for a period of time and then take a break for a little bit, you know, and, and let that settle in and then see if you need another round of that or if that completed what you needed from that tonic herb. Um, So, that level is kind of in between and then the medicinal level herbs are herbs that are a lot more potent um, in their actions, they'll often be used for an acute situation. Um, You might feel the effects of them really quickly when you take them. Um, A lot of herbs work very subtly in our bodies and slowly over a long period of time but some herbs you know you'll feel it right away like if i take um kava or damiana like those impacts are immediate for me like damiana will drop me out of my head into my body and into my like primal sexual like i want this and i want it now (laughs) and um (laughs) you know so different different herbs are gonna have a different whereas like the oats right i take those every day um you know, over long periods of time. And, you know, they're doing a similar thing, because, you know, we have these um, sayings, like, sowing your wild oats, you know, these are, these are, this is an herb that actually does have quite a profound effect, but it's much subtler. And it's not like, oh, I just take it and I feel that drop. It's just like, You know, I was drinking the oat straw infusion for years and I started doing that for the calcium because my calcium Mm -hmm. levels were, were low and on my blood tests and I was like, okay, I know that oats are high in calcium so I started doing this regular infusion and my calcium levels went back up and then I also found myself in front of a bunch of people teaching about aphrodisiac herbs. And I went, hmm, I think there's a (laughs) correlation here, you know, (laughs) all these years of oats going into my body, (laughs) nourished my reproductive system and my sexual organs and, you know, helped um, create a pretty high libido. So, um, you know, it's just a slow over time kind of thing. But the the medicinal level herbs are ones that you want to be a little more careful about dosage, and you know, really check in, like how much of this do I need, and start at a at a smaller dose, and then see if you want to raise that um, over time. And you know, you can also use um, you know a nourishing herb or a tonic herb medicinally by increasing the dosage of it. You know, so. Um, that's what I mean by they're not yeah. uh, strict categories, but they're w- it's kind of a way of thinking about the potency of the herb and what kind of dose you might want to use it in.
0: So I have a question that I've been thinking about now for a couple weeks because my mom actually came to me and wanted to order this Tulsi. I'm like, I'm going to be making some Tulsi tincture. <laughs> you know, you can just have some of that. And she's like, but is it going to be the same amount of milligrams or something like that. And so I go, Oh gosh, I have no idea. Is there any sort of knowingness how like what's the dose in this tincture that I just made? How like any sort of (laughs) measurement tool if I put this much in? I mean, gosh, they're plants. They're all different, right? From every batch that you harvest. Right, right, right. Without testing it, is there any sort of way to Guess the dose range. Know
1: the potency. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So the kind of herbalism that I practice and sounds like you practice as well is more folk herbalism where you're just kind of bringing in the plant material, chopping it up, putting it in a jar, pouring some alcohol over it, like steeping it for six weeks and then straining it. And it's really not a standardized um, dose. You know, we can't exactly know um, what the dosage of that is. Um, We can play with it and experiment in our bodies and be like, oh, that was a particularly potent batch. Yeah. <laughs> um and you know so part of the reason to buy a tincture from a well-known tincture company is if you're really needing to know that specific dosage for some reason um that they there are ways of standardizing how how much is um it, how, uh yeah you know how much the dose is for that particular um tincture and i haven't studied at that level to be you know precise about um, the dosages in my tinctures but this, the answer is yes there are ways to do that and it's you know it's a little bit more complicated than the folk herbalism and
0: uh, not something I really feel like doing mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> yeah. and it kind of ties back to the relationship that you're talking about yeah. like that's that to me is like the cool part of it and not using it as like a traditional the medical system we see now but again like how you're saying Kimberly like it's it's you like working with it with your hands and like that whole process to me is the medicine, right? Mm -hmm. Like feeling it and smelling it and making it, it's, it's so fun. And I, it's, you're right. Like you said before, it's just in us. Um, It's like a coming home is kind of how I felt. And like, you know, I remember my childhood days running in, in the fields and picking prairie roses. And, you know, now like that's one of my favorite herbs, you know? is the rose yeah
1: (laughs) you have that long-term relationship with it right yeah all the way from
2: childhood yeah yeah so okay so that's I that was one question I had for you and maybe you get asked this a lot but like what is your favorite plant or what is your if you had to choose one it's so hard (laughs)
1: because so many plants are really dear to me and I feel like Sometimes I'm just really completely overwhelmed with gratitude that I found this path, you know, Mm. and that I walk outside and like I have these medicinal herb gardens in my yard and I'm just, it blows me away. I'm Mm. like, oh my gosh, like I did not grow up with that kind of knowledge. I mean, I grew up with some vegetable gardening going on, but like to actually walk out and like know, wow, this plant, I can, I can harvest it and I can bring it in and I can make medicine for my family with it. Like that is just profound to mm-hmm. me on a really deep level. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I guess when I started studying herbalism, you know, the plant that is so dear to me, cause that's like my first herbal ally is actually this weed that most people are trying to get out of their garden. Um, so it's chickweed and it's the, um, that's the first book in my herb fairy series is the chickweed fairy. And, um, I just love that little plant, you know, she's just so delicate and, um, I, I can't get her to grow in my, in my yard. (laughs) I keep trying to like (laughs) plant seeds or transplant it in. And then all these people are like ripping it out and, (laughs) Anyway, but I love to make pesto out of chickweed and um, it's just like a very mild kind of salad green that you can use. Um, and then, uh, gosh, she's just cooling for burns and cuts and, oh, uh, she's, I, yeah, she's my favorite.
2: <laughs> oh, that's cool. I love that.
0: That's awesome. And I didn't know that. So I love that you asked that. <laughs> <laughs> and I think... The Wildcraft game <laughs> was the first time I learned about chickweed. <laughs> so there you go. You did. You <laughs> spreaded the knowledge beyond beyond you.
2: I love that. Mm. I know. I think that's cool, too, Kimberly. You have so many different ways for people to learn about herbs. Like you have your website. You have your books. You have board game like children's books like it's just like so accessible in so many different ways that's so cool really neat that's been my
1: passion is to find creative ways to connect people with the plants you know Um, and the board game was so fun to make because it's uh, you know a way of connecting people with the plants through play which I think is the best way to (laughs) learn something is by playing right um, and I, you know, I have a master's degree in education and I've, I've taught at different age levels. And so I just love to come up with, um, new ways to, to help people learn something, you know, this subject can sometimes feel really hard and overwhelming and like, oh my gosh, what mm-hmm. if I picked the wrong plant and I hurt somebody or hurt myself or, you know, and, uh, it's, it's really nice because there are, you know, a handful of plants usually in your area that it's great to know. These are the hazards. You know, here in in uh, the northwest, we got to look out for the hemlocks, water hemlock, and poison hemlock. You know, and you know there there are a few of those around that can really make you sick or kill you. <laughs> and then there's. You know once you know those you just know to avoid those and then you can play with the other ones you know and and experiment and find um find the ones that are helpful and you know some of them maybe are not going to kill you but they might make you a little bit sick to your stomach and then you go oh i'm not going to do that again you know <laughs> there was one day my daughter went out and just um harvested a whole bunch of lemon balm and lemon balm is a really soothing plant but in the quantities that she took it in it was like oh that was not a good idea you know so (laughs) so you figure those things out and there's such so much grace and leeway with the plants you know and usually a plant that's not going to be good for you you don't want to put it in your mouth i mean it doesn't look good it's got a kind of a stay away from me energy to it Um, it doesn't taste good in our mouths so They help us, you know, they help us to learn um, just by being who they are.
0: Um. Oh, now if only humans, humans could just be who they are. (laughs) 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 It's amazing. Let's do it. And I love all that. Play Mm -hmm. is such a sensual thing, too. I know when we were, we did an episode about pleasure and um, we're talking about like erotic innocence and how that really gets into like playing and just Tuning into that childlike part of yourself. And that makes me curious about writing the book. Was the book like a big playground for you? Was it hard? Was it a combination? Or do you have like a favorite part of that whole creative process?
1: Yeah, it was um, you know, it was a whole journey, right? <laughs> writing a book is like yeah so many different parts to it and um you know the research stage was really fun to have my my aphrodisiac circle and be experimenting with the herbs and really uh getting to connect with people around this this area of our lives that we generally just don't talk about was really great you know to be getting different perspectives and and having that open dialogue about our sexuality was profound and then um there was this period of time where uh, I was making recipes for the book and two of my best girlfriends were in the kitchen, you know, when we were just like playing with, (laughs) Oh, let's make an herbal lube, you know, (laughs) let's do this. And that was super juicy and really fun. That was one of my favorite times during the book creation process. And, um, you know, there was a very challenging period where I was trying to, Um, do uh, intimate photo shoots while COVID was going on and um, (laughs) learning the incredible uh, process of book production. Like I had written the herb fairies books, but John really, my husband, um, really did the production work on those. Um, So this was a big learning curve for me. And uh, it was definitely a hugely challenging piece of the project. Um, and then, gosh, I think what I have to say is my favorite part of the whole thing was was actually writing the book. Um, I am a writer at heart um, and I just, I love putting together words and, you know, crafting the the chapters and and getting the words to flow and making it sensual and personal and vulnerable. And um, and so, you know, me being able to prioritize writing was so great. You know, I would be like, okay, everybody, I have to write and go away. You know, Uh, and (laughs) I would um, I wrote most of it in the early morning hours because I'm a morning person. And, you know, before John was even up and I would just get Haley off to school and then I would get my big lambskin out and put it in front of the fireplace and wear my like sensual dance clothes and put the computer on the lambskin and just lay there and type a section of the book in the morning. So it was this beautiful, sensual experience and also, you know, doing this thing that I love, which is like playing with words. So that was um that was probably my favorite part. But there were, there were so many amazing pieces to this journey. One of the one of the pieces that I didn't even know was going to happen, that was quite surprising was um, that, uh, you know, as I wrote the book, the recipes and the poetry and all of these pieces were woven into the running text, right? So there's this whole bit of running text where I'm talking about my experiences and the experiences of the aphrodisiac circle. And um, and so then when they, at Hay House, when they went to make the book beautiful, they took the recipes out of the running text and they took the poetry out of the running text and they made them beautiful, which was just what I wanted them to do. Um, but then I got the layout back and I was like, oh my goodness, like, <laughs> like it's all in a different, you know, order. And I was like, this is not going to make any sense Uh to the reader. (laughs) And so I spent quite a lot of time doing this complex puzzle work of, you know, like, okay, I couldn't move anything myself, you know, because it was on a program that I don't use. Yeah. Um, So I would just be looking at my computer screen and like, okay, I think if you move this picture to that page and then move that there and that there, you know, and I wrote all these little notes to the designer to to like it was like a puzzle you know yeah. like putting the book together um, once we had all the pieces and I actually love puzzles so was, it was helpful <laughs> at that moment I was like this is why I've been doing puzzles on my
0: time
1: <laughs> <laughs> so anyway that was another piece that was actually quite fun it was it was a little just unexpected stress at the end but I I did have fun with it as well so
2: Wow. Yeah. that's cool what did it feel like to hold it for the first time when it was completed oh there's
1: a video of me opening the box I was like oh my gosh my baby you know it's <laughs> like I actually birthed this thing this mm-hmm. gorgeous yeah. book it was extraordinary it was wow. very extraordinary
0: it where was... is that video <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well, it's um, probably <laughs> on our website or on our social media feed, you know, okay. somewhere way down. It's like the Boxing Day video, you know, of um, me opening the, opening the book.
0: Definitely
2: going to awesome. look for that. That's so sweet. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: well, maybe now is even a good time to tell people what is the best way for people to buy the book or find you, follow you, or where do you want to send them?
1: Yeah, so um, to find me or follow me, um, the best way is through learningherbs.com. That's our um, website um, that John and I created, you know, to help teach people about the herbs. So um, that's a great place to start. And as far as getting the book, it's really widely available. It's published through Hay House, and you can you know, go to Amazon and order it and it'll come quite quickly to your doorstep as Mm -hmm. Amazon does so beautifully. Um, and that's not my favorite place to recommend just, you know, Mm -hmm. because it's such a big company. Um, Mm -hmm. i love to recommend that you go to your local bookseller and ask them to order it for you. Or, Mm -hmm. um, there's a little, um, sex shop that just went in here where I live, um, on the main street, you know, and, um, and they now are able to get it through their distributor. So if you have like a oh. women's empowerment sex shop oh in my our goodness, town, we, go we have to the sex somebody. shop, ask them to order it.
0: <laughs> I have somebody, mm-hmm. and she has multiple stores: one in Texas, one in two in one in Minnesota, two in North Dakota. i think she has five stores i gotta go talk
1: to her awesome yeah yeah (laughs) Yeah. so i mean i think the more that people go into stores and ask for the book the more that you know the retailer will be inspired to get it onto their shelf so that would be my my request of all of you would be to go and and ask your your local bookseller to carry it yeah or at least order it for you yeah
2: (laughs) I like asking the library for certain books too, just to like get the awareness too, like make recommendations and stuff. When, especially if I've read it, I'm like, you should really have this book on hand, so it's there for more people, <laughs> right? Like that's, there's so yeah. Yeah. I, I guess my, my best friend says I'm one of the only people she knows that still uses the library. <laughs> yeah. No. But I do I all the time. Libraries. I know. <laughs> I've always loved libraries. So anyway.
0: Well, you're not the only person I know. <laughs> I know lots of people <laughs> who still use the library.
1: Especially when the kids were little. We were at the library all the time. Like yeah. when, you're, when your children are young, that's a fabulous place
0: to get resources. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. For sure. So so these last couple topics make me want to ask at least two more questions before we <laughs> hop off here. I know this is one of our longer ones, but that's good. It's juicy information. Mm-hmm. Um, so for a woman who is you know <laughs> still has really young kids and maybe is still using the library because she still <laughs> has really young kids, <laughs> you know, reading something like this or thinking about her sensuality or her sexuality might feel like I don't have time for that. That's a common one. I don't have time for that. Or how am I supposed to squeeze that in? What would be your biggest piece of advice for somebody like that?
1: Yeah, um, I think... You know, I definitely had that time in my life when my kids were young and there's so much energy going out to caring for them. And, you know, if you're working, you know, getting your work done, tending the house, like it's just a lot. And I noticed during that phase of my life, my own needs and desires got put, you know, in the Mm backseat. And um, I think as I started to come back into my sexuality and explore um, this topic in my life, that was a, a time when I came back into my power, really, and into my confidence again. And um, so what I think is that we have a tendency in our culture, because there's so much shame and repression and trauma around sexuality, to think of that as something that it's okay to put on the shelf for a while. It's actually probably um, kind of a good thing to do, you know, because you're you need to tend your kids, and you need to do all these other things that seem so much more important. Um, but what is the truth is that when we are connected to our sexuality and our sensuality, we are more confident. We're more creative. We're more vital. We have a lot more to bring to our children or to whatever we're doing in our lives which is really the inspiration behind this book, is to help people get that flow of energy going so that they are bringing their gifts more fully to their lives and to the world. And so my advice Mm -hmm. to anyone who's in that place of like putting that on a shelf for a while is to dare to prioritize it in your life. Make it a priority, bring it back in and... You know, when you have young children, that might mean getting a babysitter, paying a babysitter Mm -hmm. to take your kids somewhere else so that you and your partner can have a night at home and drop into a juicy sexual connection with each other while you know that your kids needs are being met, you know, because if you're needing to multitask and think about whether they're okay, you can't fully be in your body and with your partner. And so, um, you know, prioritizing it enough to spend the money on a babysitter or I had this other great idea, and that is to, you know, find a friend who also has young kids and do a trade, you know, like and talk to them about why you want to do the trade Say, you know, I really want to prioritize my sexuality and I'd love to do this trade with you, Um, you know, I'll take your kids so that you and your husband can have time or, you know, whatever, so that you're not even, you know, needing to pay the babysitter. And you've also then brought this idea to another family, right? And you're supporting each other in getting those needs met. So um, that's really it. You've got to, you've got to make the time for it and value it, you know, and, and prioritize it so that you can, So that you can be your best self, right?
2: Yes. Mm, Yes.
1: (laughs) Yes, a thousand percent. Love all of that. (laughs) Love it so much. You're like, amen. Yeah.
2: (laughs) Yes. That was amazing.
0: Yeah. And I feel, you know, it was for me after I had my third and she was an infant still that that all happened for me. And so that was the it. I'm like, yes, this is totally changing my life. And now I can handle parenting so much with so much more ease because I'm in my vitality and I don't feel depleted and like a martyr and all of that stuff. So that's an amazing answer.
2: Yeah. It's such a huge mindset shift, but it's so great hearing you Kimberly talk about it. Just knowing there's so many women out there that are like knowing this and experience, experience it themselves and their body and sharing it. It's just makes me so happy because it's, your passion it's my passion it's crystal's passion to just have women living full and happy and vital lives so i just appreciate yeah, all you're I, doing
1: just to say men too you know they can get equally lost in yes. their work lives and you know it is super stressful to be a man in this culture and be trying to provide for a family mm. and you know keep up the the level of expectation that we have in this culture around work and so I think for all genders this is not you know even female specific but you know all of us need to take that time and prioritize this um part of our of our lives yes
0: yeah a thousand percent mm-hmm. I love that. And with that prioritization, I just have kind of one final question, which is you know, it could just be what are you doing now? But because I've read the book, (laughs) I do know a little bit um, about the fact that you have and you call a salon. And I've heard that term before, but it's been in the business world, actually. So it's, you know, that gathering of people to discuss sexual experiences and keep this on your radar. So you get to grow through conversation and connection. And I'm curious about that for you. um, For even as an invitation to our listeners, if they wanted to do something like that, could it be just one person, one friend? Do you have how many people are in your group? And what could that look like? Just whatever you want to (laughs) add.
1: yeah thank you for that question that was a really powerful thing that we were doing Um, and unfortunately it actually ended as the covid (laughs) lockdown started because we had been meeting in person um, Mm. and there were probably 10 or 12 people and some of us were coupled and some of us were single and it was such a beautiful thing to get together and just share different perspectives different ideas that we were having we would sometimes someone would have a, a movie that was particularly inspiring for them or a podcast that they had listened to and so we would all listen to it and then we'd come together and discuss it and what came up for you and um, how do you use this in your life and it's so amazing to open up that conversation with friends that you have in your life you know and to realize that sexuality, sensuality is part of all of our lives. And we all have different strengths and different things that we've tried that we're like, oh my gosh, this was amazing. You guys all have to try this, you know? Um, so it brings this juiciness and, and um, just new perspectives, new ideas, vitality to that part of your life when you've got people to share that with. and. To bounce ideas off of each other, so um, I am hopeful that you know as uh, COVID eases over time that maybe we can bring that back into our our lives. And you know, we did try and do it over Zoom, and it just it just wasn't the same for us. Um, but you know, certainly is something that you could do. Mm -hmm. Um, on a virtual platform. But something about this topic, it's so nice to be in person with people and to um, really feel each other, you know, because you're opening up a pretty vulnerable part of your life. And, um, you know, we get so much from each other over over a virtual platform. But When you're in person, you can read body language, and you can feel the connection and the safety of that. And I think that's one thing that I'll that I'll say: if you create a group like that, it is so important to have some clear ground rules. You know, confidentiality is one. Um, One that we had in that group was lean, don't leap. You know, (laughs) like just don't go too far past your comfort zone, you might want to take a baby step, you know, past your comfort zone, but there's no need to like, leap into something that feels uncomfortable. So, you know, talk among yourselves and, and find what boundaries make that container feel really safe for you. Um, because then you're going to be able to open up and really share the experiences that are going to make a difference for you and for the other people in the group.
0: Yeah. And anybody who gets the book, she does list a whole bunch of really awesome suggestions for creating those guidelines in there, too, that I loved. I resonated with all of them. So <laughs> <laughs> and, and it reminded me of when I do classes, too, because I, I do. I create that container, you know, so that way things are understood beforehand. Like, we're all powerful. We need to all agree on that before we move forward or this isn't going to work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so... Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Well, it's been awesome talking to you. I feel like I could talk to you all the time. Mm-hmm. And um, I love everything that you've done, everything that you've put together. I think you're just a world of resource for people, whether they're just starting on their herbal journey or they're only curious in aphrodisiacs for now or any of it. It's just you've got it all in that realm and oh, I love thank it. You. Yeah
1: that was really wonderful to be with you today and I think um yeah I would say that you know start where you are inspired and let that lead you to the next thing so if that's playing a board game with your kids then that's the place to start or with the aphrodisiac book you know yeah,
0: yeah. awesome love it so again you can find Kimberly at LearningHerbs.com, and I know you're on Instagram on that too are you on Facebook
1: Yes, we are on Facebook. Okay, sure. cool. Yeah, all of the social media all of it. platforms. <laughs> all over, you know, you can, you can just <laughs> find her there. And
0: That's what
1: happens when you're an online
0: business. <laughs> <laughs> it's true, it's true. And then I highly recommend getting the book. It is life-changing, it's powerful, and I love it so much. Aphrodisiac by Kimberly Gallagher. Thank you, thank, <laughs> thank you, you, thank you. Thank you so much, you. <laughs> you so right. much Kimberly. Mm. yeah thank you for having me on for sure enjoy your day